So I will try and I will hopefully try and keep you engaged so that you don't fall asleep because as soon as it gets a little bit darker, I know I'm like, you know, get ready for. Um, I was thinking this morning, we got woken up really early. Um, and I was thinking, just I was praying early this morning, and I th- think about this. This is before I get into my message. What we ask God for, what we ask God for, and what we believe God for are different things. And how often are we asking God for lots, but we don't believe Him for lots? <clears throat> and Scripture says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But the believing comes before the asking. We believe and we ask. We don't ask with no belief. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're trusting God for, whatever you are asking for, make sure that it's attached to faith in God because He will come through for you. Um, so believe. Amen. I read something the other day that said this. When a man says that he's, he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You don't need to remind him every six months. Uh, and, and that's exactly what I felt this morning. It's amazing how quickly people forget. You know, you'll hear something, and, and then after a short amount of time, you've forgotten what you heard, or you haven't applied it, or you just don't have the energy to, to put it into action. Um, and 2 Peter 1 verse 12 and 13 says this. Do we have any screen? We don't have a screen. Remember those paper things we used to use with uh, the scriptures inside? Mm, looks like we're going to have to turn to those. You might have your Bibles here. You're going to have to follow in your Bible or online or something. But I encourage you, continue to read the scriptures, even when it's not Sunday and they're being read to you. 2 Peter 1 verse 12 and 13 says this. You already know these things. You are very strong in the truth you have, but I am always going to help you remember them. While I'm still living here on earth, I think it's right for me to remind you of them. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind you of something that you already know. Something that you might be established in already. You know, there's truth that we've shared in this church. If anything, I'm actually going to a message that I've shared before. I believe it's an apostolic message to the church. I'm sharing it again, but I'm trusting that it'll be something that you don't just hear, but that you believe and take to heart. What I'm sharing on this morning is vital to Christian living. It's essential to us living in the purpose that God has for us. Um, So I I trust God. I'm believing that this is going to ignite a fire in every single person in the room. Years ago, we got it back online. Well done. Well done, Dale. Um, Years ago, my wife and I did a course called The Way of the Master. Anyone else here done The Way of the Master? You see, you're also a black belt ninja. Um, so, so what happens is it sounds like a bit of a, a kung fu course, but it's actually a course on how to share your faith. And I've touched on it a little bit in the past. Essentially what it is is you, take some, you speak to somebody and you share with them questions from the Ten Commandments that reveal to them where they stand with God. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever looked at a person with lust? Have you ever been very angry with somebody? <clears throat> And if a person is honest, they will recognize that we all fall short. All of us in this room, including me, especially me, are guilty in the eyes of God. Right? Then what we do is, is once you've shared the fact that the person is guilty and they recognize their guilt and they recognize their need for a savior, then you bring the gospel in. And when they hear the gospel, all of a sudden it's not just something that's news. It's good news because it applies to their lives. And I remember there was a guy in London I've shared before, and I went up to him with this evangelism and I wanted to share the gospel and he was very arrogant he was mocking me he was kind of like trying to belittle God and then I said to him have you ever lied just going through the course as I'd learned it have you ever lied he's like yeah no of course I've lied but you've lied too so I was no we've all lied have you ever um I said to him um have you ever what was the next one have you ever have you ever stolen anything 
And then he said to me, oh, yeah, no, of course, I, you know, like I've, I haven't, first of all, he's like, I haven't stolen anything. So I said, well, you've just told me you're a liar. And he's like, okay, well, yes, maybe I've stolen a little thing when I was some sweets when I was small. Um, I said, have you ever been looked at a person with lust? Because the Bible, if God is real and God is holy, if you look at a person with lust, it's the same as committing adultery in the eyes of God. So I said, have you ever done that? He's like, of course, everyone's done that, including you. And he wanted to quickly remind me. So I said, no, we, we, we're all in that same space. I said, have you ever been really angry with somebody? Really cross? And I said, according to God's holy standard, that anger is the same as murder in the eyes of God because God is holy and we are not. And I remember he, he, was, he was all like, like, you know, his attitude was like this. And while I was talking to him, the Holy Spirit was working in his heart because he went from being very arrogant and mocking and all of a sudden he had tears in his eyes and he, he, he just started crying on the streets in London. And he said, he said, but that means everybody's guilty. I said, if you stood before God, are you innocent or guilty? He said, oh, well, I'm guilty, but everyone's guilty. So I said, absolutely, we are all guilty. Every single human on earth is guilty. And here's where the good news comes in, is that God being a judge, he judges us, judges us guilty because we are guilty. And he says, this is the penalty. Then he takes off his robe and he steps away from being judge. And he says, but I'm going to pay the price for your sin. If you will receive that, then you will be saved, which is good news. And I told the man this. And he cried and he cried. And then he said, what do I do now? And I said, all you've got to do is just respond to the gospel. Um, and I didn't lead him through a prayer. I didn't ask him to pray. He just started praying on the spot, crying his eyes out. And my life was impacted significantly by his response to the gospel. Romans 3 verse 20 says this. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And we, unless we recognize that we are sinners, we don't recognize our need for a savior. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor because my neighbor is much worse than me. But God is not going to judge us according to our neighbor. He's going to judge us according to our response to him. So all of us are going to be held accountable to God for our life. We can't blame somebody else. So saying all of that, building up to where I'm going today, how many of you would love to have a full understanding of every good thing God has for us? So right now you're living this life and you're getting whatever you're getting out of life. But if there's more and God has more for you, how many of you think this? I want everything God has. If there's greater revelation, greater anointing, greater influence, I want to experience the full power of God. If that is you, in faith, put up your hand. Awesome, 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 right? If that is you, if that's something that you would like for your life, right now you're sitting and thinking, Lord, I want more power. I want to experience the real, full power of God. There's a scripture that tells us exactly how to get it. Philemon, 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 however you say that word. Philemon 6, it says this. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. When you share your faith with other people, something happens and releases power in your life. When we share our faith, what happens? We mature. Our revelation of Jesus expands because my revelation of Jesus expanded when I told other people about Jesus and saw the power of God. We discover our purpose. If you're right now, you're in the room thinking, what's the purpose of love? What is my purpose? It's to share your revelation of Jesus Christ. That is your purpose. We are transformed when we share. The other person is transformed and God is glorified. In other words, when we share our faith, we mature and we grow and we strengthen our faith. So faith is something that is multiplied when we give it away. 
And faith pleases God. So if you say, Lord, I want to live a life of power. I want to live a life that pleases you. And Lord, I want to live a life of an expression of faith. Then God says, then give the faith you've got. Give it away to other people. I will multiply it and give it back to you. And you will experience my power. Right? And we're a church that want to experience the power of God. How often have people said, I feel like I'm just not growing anymore. You know, and I just feel like I'm... I've just plateaued. I'm not really growing like I used to. And then sometimes even blame the church. The reason I'm not growing, I'm just not getting something out of this church. Um, when I got saved, I had such a, a fire and a passion. And, and, and then people think this, not me, I'm talking about in general. People think when I got saved, I had this passion and this fire. And then it's for some reason just plateaued. I don't know where the passion or the fire has gone. You know, I'm going through the motions, but I don't seem to be going anywhere. I remember when I was a young Christian, <clears throat> I was in a, a, a Bible study, and I remember I was super excited to tell everybody and their families and their pets and everybody on earth about Jesus. And I remember in this life group saying to the, the life group leader about everything I was experiencing and how excited I was to talk about Jesus. And then this is what the guy said. He was a pastor. He is a pastor. He said, oh, the honeymoon phase, that'll go away. And I was thinking, how sad is it to think that some people, for them, their passion of Jesus actually does go away. They're so excited to share their faith with the whole world. And then what happens is that passion starts to dissipate and disappear and the power starts to go. And they're not experiencing God like they used to. And all of a sudden, that honeymoon season is over. So I prayed, Lord Jesus, may my passion never go. And my prayer over you is may your passion for Jesus and the gospel never, ever dissipate in any way. May you always be excited to share what Jesus is doing. Um, I believe that telling people about Jesus, and I've shared this, throws logs onto the fire of our faith. And the more devoted we are to the mission, the brighter we will burn. If you share your faith with other people, it will be something, something will come alive in you and you will glow. You will be radiant with the glory of God. Why? Because his power will flow through you. Salvation is the fruit of receiving a revelation of Jesus. So if you're in this room, and we can't presume everybody in the room is even a Christian. If you are in the room and you have received a revelation of Jesus, then you have salvation. Maturity is the fruit of sharing your revelation of Jesus. Maturity, and we all want to mature, is sharing our faith of Jesus. Um, and obviously there's a whole bunch of other things that go into Christian living. The word, worship, fellowship, prayer. These are all vital to an ecosystem of Christian living. But not at the exclusion of sharing our faith. And I kind of realized that this is a hotter message because we want to come to church, we want to receive something, but it's not as exciting to go into the world and tell people what we're receiving and what God is doing. So, next question. Um, how many of us would love to experience the power of God? And I'm hoping that every hand would be absolutely up. Have we got my title slide for this sermon? That's what I'm talking about today, the purpose of power. I'm trusting God that every one of you will leave here with an ignited power today. And when you leave here, it won't just be for nothing. You will understand the purpose of power. If you would love to experience the power of God, then I'm going to tell you um, where it comes from and why we need it. Acts 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right? That's where the power comes from. And it's not so that we can go, ooh. Look at it. I've got goosebumps. And we can tell the person next to us how excited we are that we can feel the presence of God. And it's so exciting. You know, that's where the power comes from. But what's the purpose of the power? Right? This is what it is. 
You will, receive, you will be my witnesses. This is the purpose of power. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So according to Acts 1 verse 8, the purpose of power is proclamation. Is this, uh, are you with me? <laughs> the purpose of power, the purpose of or publicly, we are empowered to proclaim. When we first get saved, we want to tell the whole world about Jesus. If you're anything like me, you want to tell everybody, ask Paula, we go through, to this day, we go through checkers, we go to the shops, we go anywhere, and I will tell people about Jesus because I'm excited about Jesus, what he's done, what he's doing. But then what happens is so often people mature in the faith, and instead of telling the world about Jesus, they're telling Christians how to be better Christians. So we stop going out and being effective to the world, we just start sitting in a holy huddle telling people how to improve their lives. Right, But the power comes not so that we can tell other Christians how to live their lives, but so that we can reach the world that hasn't been reached. Um, So, sharing our faith keeps the fire and passion alive and releases the power of God. So the point of power flowing to us is power flowing through us. We all want the power. We all want to experience God's power to transform signs and wonders, miracles. But the point of power to you is power through you. If it's not going beyond you, then it's like plugged in and not switched on or not plugged in at all. We want to be plugged into the things of God so that we can be effective. So often, the reason we're not experiencing the power is because we have, ex- we have replaced missions with meetings. And I'm not insulting our church. I love meetings. I love the church. But the point for the mission, coming to church is not the end goal of a Christian. It's just to be equipped, stirred, encouraged, motivated, strengthened to go and do what we call to do as Christians. So we come here and we are stirred and our faith is lifted up and we worship God and we fellowship together. And then we go into the world and we become effective. This is not where the effectiveness happens. Those that are passionate about sharing their faith will have a lot more stories and testimonies about what God is doing beyond the testimony of when they first got saved. Listen to this next verse, Acts 1 verse 9. Am I speaking very quickly? That's okay, I'll slow it down. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. It's a lot more boring. Um, He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. This is talking about Jesus. After he's, he's told them about the purpose of power, he's taken into a cloud and he disappears. And why is this relevant? Because the last thing Jesus ever said before leaving earth was, go and tell the whole world about me. I'm going to save the best for last. I've lived a life. I've displayed the power. I've shown you how to live. I've shown you what life is all about. I've shown you who I am. Now I'm going to leave you with the most important thing. Go and do likewise. Tell the whole world about me. Experience the life I've been living. How? By doing the things I've been doing. And what have I been doing? Casting out demons. Telling people the good news. Telling them who I am. Filling their life with purpose. Um, we want to, we want, this is our mission. It's our mandate. It's our call. It's our purpose. It's why you are still breathing today because God has somebody to reach and he wants to use you to reach them. Um, imagine if I had time to reflect the last thing I said before, you know, my last day on earth and I wanted to tell somebody, there's so many things that we think are important at the time, but aren't important when we look back, please look after my car. You know, I don't want anyone to dent it. It's so important to me. I think I left the iron on. How many times are you on your way to church and, and one of the spouses left the straightening iron on or the hairdryer on? I'm not picking on anyone. The hairdryer. What? 
<laughs> I mean, plugged in. Um, you've left something on that'll burn the house down either way. Um, and then you're like, oh, I need to, uh, we're not going to worry about who did what and who's left what on. Oh, I wish I had more money. Oh, I wish I'd bought shares in Tesla. That's irrelevant. The last thing we want to do when we leave this earth is to build into the relationships that count the most, is to actually say something that's valuable. And Jesus, who was only in active ministry for three years, said, guys, I want to save the best for last. Tell everybody about Jesus Christ. That's why we're alive. So there's two steps to an effective life. If you want to live an effective life, I know this is the kind of thing you feel like, oh, it's kind of boring because I want something that's going to make me feel good about myself. And this is motivating to actually go out and do something. Two steps. Number one, receiving the gospel. If you haven't received the gospel, today's a good day for you and you can respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will be eternally grateful. It's a promise from God. The second thing is to share the gospel, right? To know Jesus and make him known. How many people never get past the first step and then they wonder why they're not moving forward? We just need to take the next step. Share your faith with somebody. Maybe God's power is, is in proportion to our passion to proclaim. I'm going to say that again. I love my peas. You must have your peas, your vegetables. Maybe God's power is in proportion to our passion to proclaim. Are you experiencing the transforming mighty power of God through your life? It's probably in proportion to your active sharing of your faith. There are incredible benefits to sharing our faith. It keeps the gospel central to our lives and churches. It's an expression of faith and a faith pleases God. It leads us to maturity. As we go, we grow. It's an act of obedience. It helps us not to be so inward focused because we can make our whole lives about ourselves instead of about the people that need the gospel. It releases the power of God when you share your faith. It gives us purpose. It is our purpose. People get saved and set free. And God says, and by my spirit, I will empower you to get it done. Um, if we are honest with all the information and revelation and knowledge and experience and maturity, are we living out this mandate? We listen to books and podcasts and we've got so much stuff coming into our heads. But are we actually taking a little bit of what we're learning and applying it and taking it to the world? I worked out, and I've shared this before, the, chairs on a, the, the squares on a chessboard. If Colin was the only Christian in the whole world, the only Christian alive today, and he came to me and he's like, Tim, look, I just want to let you know that you're a sinner and I recognize my need for a savior and I respond to the gospel and I get saved. Then week one, there's Colin. Week two, Colin's preaching and leading worship, and I'm in the congregation, loving it. I am the whole congregation. Then, And I'm like, oh, I can't keep this good news to myself. I need to take it beyond myself. Then the next week, I bring another friend, and Colin brings another friend. And you understand the chairs on a square, the squares on a chessboard multiplied as we grow. How many weeks would it take us, and I've shared this before, so somebody should know the answer. How many weeks would it take us? To reach every single person alive if we reached one a week, each person reaching one a week. How long would it take us? Anyone want to shout an answer? It would take between 32 and 33 weeks before we've reached everyone on earth. 33 weeks, less than eight months if, we, if there was only one Christian reaching one a week and each person continued to do that multiplied. It would take less than 33 weeks to reach everyone alive. And I understand that there are other religions and there is spiritual opposition. And I know it's not easy. But even if we said this, as a church, we each reach one a year. The church will double every single year in size. 
people will be changed and transformed and they will come alive and they will share their faith and something will happen and the power of God will be revealed and released in our lives and in theirs and everything will come alive. We will go deeper into the things of God. But all we need to do is share our faith. I really implore you, I encourage you, when last did you tell somebody about Jesus? It's not a rebuke. It's an encouragement. Um, The power of God would be ignited and there isn't one Christian. There are, there's hundreds of us, there's millions of Christians around the world. Imagine we all just lived for the mission to tell people about Jesus Christ. My heart in preparing this isn't to rebuke you or to tell you you're not doing a great job, because I'm sure most of you are doing an incredible job of sharing your faith. But I wanted to stir your faith. If Jesus comes back tomorrow, excuse me, what did we do today? Are we gathered, we went to church, tick, I'm a good Christian. Um, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All power. This, again, power is attached to proclamation. This is an action. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Ah, that's the pastor's job to tell people about Jesus. It's the job of the saints, and you are the saints. It's the job of every believer. Think about the generation that we are living in. It is so spiritually well-fed with books and podcasts and events and awesome preachers and all that. But then if we just took a little bit of that and put it into action, like I said, sharing our faith stretches our faith, and then our muscles grow. And listen to this. When we aren't interested in what's going on on the outside, we get all consumed with what's happening on the inside. It's all about, you know, about how good was church for me today? Uh, how, how much did I enjoy the songs? How entertaining was the preach? How comfortable is the venue? How good is the coffee? That is not what we're all about. Then, Therefore, if that is our thinking about how good was church for me, then we have become spiritual consumers. Feed me satisfy me, entertain me, keep me happy. What's the common denominator? It's all about me. Church is for me and about me. Um, when we lose sight of the mission and the mandate, and I've shared this cheesy analogy, we go like this. We've got a message from God. M-E-S-S-A-G-E. And we take the first step. We take another step. M-E, and that's where we stop. And we never take the message to the world because we've just made it about me. And then we think, oh, Tim's t- talking about preaching, so I suppose I have to. And it's not a heart issue. It's something that we feel comp- So we take another step, S, S, and then we stop again. Now what are we left with? Now we just got a mess, right? And then our lives are a mess, and we're wondering where's God and where's the power. But when we mature, when we grow up, when we apply the gospel, we add the A-G-E, which is maturity in our faith. And we take the message beyond ourselves, and all of a sudden the power of God is released. But we have to take the message beyond the M and the E. We have to take it to the rest of the world. Otherwise, we just walk into our own mess. Maturity is to take it beyond ourselves. Um, it's not about, you know, the church. It's not about uh, what's in it, f- what, the message for me. What about the message from me? Um, so now I've spoken about um, the, the, the motivation, why you should be sharing your faith. I want to talk about a couple myths, and then I want to end with um, the method. So you might be thinking, I want to share my faith, Tim, I really do, but you don't understand that I'm a very quiet person. It's not my personality. Power 
is not dependent on personality. It's released through proclamation. Scripture doesn't teach us about Jesus' personality. We don't know what Jesus' personality was like, but we do know what his character is like. So I don't think God is in heaven. He's going, can't believe it. I made introverts. What was I thinking? (laughs) What am I going to do with them? They're just sitting around while the extroverts get it done. No, 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 no. I think that introverts are probably far better at listening. And an extrovert might be out there and sharing something. But people, you know that whole saying, people don't know how much you, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So an introvert is somebody that's probably going to draw other people out and let them share their story. And then they'll come alive. But God knows your personality and it's not an excuse not to share your faith. Um, the next one is this. I'm not adequate. Oh, man. God is so good at using the underdog. It's, it's not about, oh, well, I know the most and I've got all the most theology and there, um, so I, therefore I'm equipped and qualified. Um, it seems like every hero of the faith, everyone, you go through scripture and find your hero. They had fears and insecurities and issues and excuses, but when they took steps of faith, God's power was revealed. Your life can be, can see the mighty power of God. All you need to do is take a step out of your comfort zones. So our effectiveness is not based on how great we are, but a recognition of how great God is. If you believe God is great and worthy of talking about, then God will work through your life and people will be saved. Therefore, we rely on him. I haven't done a course. I haven't heard this. And I've shared this before. I think a couple of weeks ago, a guy that I know was praying for somebody to be healed. Um, and what happens is the guy was healed. The, I think it was a Friday night. The Saturday night, he was praying for other people to be healed and saved. The guy that got saved the night before. And God was healing people through his life. And, he was, and people were getting saved. He didn't have a degree in theology. All he did was saying, God's done it with me. He can do it with you. If you are in this room and you've been saved, then God has given you something to share with other people. And God's power will be released through that. Um, we become useful when we make ourselves available. I want to remind you of that. So it's not about who knows the most about God. It's who's available to God. You can be in the room and you can have four doctorates in theology and you're too busy and unavailable to God. Or you can be somebody that has no, nothing beyond a testimony of what God's done in your life, but you're available. Who's God going to use? Revelation 11, 12 verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. As we read Acts 1 verse 8, we are empowered to witness. A witness is just somebody that has seen something. Uh, The next thing that we want to say, the next myth about sharing our faith is, I don't have all the answers. Craig Rochelle says, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Nobody in this room has all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I'll be real. I'm on a journey to discover Jesus Christ. And when we take people on that journey, they find them too. If you argue somebody into Christianity, someone else will argue them out. So it's not just about reason, it's about reason and revelation. But only God can bring the revelation. So all we've got to do is tell people we can't save people. So the pressure is off us. And God will take care of his own reputation because God is God. So all we've got to do is say, Lord, I don't have much. I feel very inadequate. I don't have much experience. But I want to just tell you, God changed my life and this is how he did it. And all of a sudden, God saves the person. You don't. All you did was faithful, being faithful to sharing your testimony. Um, Safiso, where's Safiso? Oh, wow, Fricky. Okay, there he is there. Fricky puts up his, I was like, that's the the opposite of Safiso right there. Um, Safiso shared a a testimony of how he was listening to a pastor preaching. And then he went to church two weeks later and another pastor was preaching. He didn't hear a word that guy said, but the guy that spoke to him two weeks before, that message stirred in his heart. 
And then there's the George Street evangelist who used to go around the most tactless approach to evangelism. And he would go up to people and he'd be like, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? And then he'd give people a tract. So then they would just throw it on the floor because no one wants to hear that. And then eventually this one man's sharing at a conference and he was like, I was walking in this little George Street and this little man came to me and gave me a tract and told me if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven to hell. I was kind of offended. But then later, God started to do something in my heart, and I got saved, went to seminary, and now I lead a bunch of churches. And then someone else at one of the conferences said, hey, that same story happened to me. I was walking on George Street. This little guy gave me a tract and changed my life. I didn't tell him. So what they did was they, they decided to, they worked out how many people were saved. And it was a few hundred thousand that they knew of directly related to his influence. So they went to see this man and they said he was very old and he was shaking with his little cup of tea and he offered them tea. And then they said to him, um, hey, we just want to say thank you for, for your gospel, the gospel that you shared with us and the message that you gave as as tactless as it was. They didn't tell him that part. And, and then they said to him, look, we just want to let you know. This is how many people have been saved through your ministry. It's hundreds of thousands. We lead churches that lead thousands of people. And many people are being impacted by your ministry. And he said this. This is his response. In all the years, over 20 years of sharing my faith, I've never heard of one salvation. I'm saying that because you don't know what God can do with your life beyond what you are seeing. You might not see the the result you want. You might not experience the result you want. But that's not up to you. All you do is share your testimony, your faith, invite somebody to church, take a step of faith, be bold and courageous, and God will do what God will do. But we sit in church waiting for God to do something, and he said this, I'm waiting for you. You go, you'll see the power. And we say this, Lord, when we see the power, then we'll go. No, you go then, you'll see the power. It's like a stalemate. Let's just go and do what God said. Um, and the last one is this. And Stu, what a prophetic word. What a great word this morning. That is so incredibly accurate to what God is saying. Um, this is another excuse we make for why we won't share our faith. I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to it eventually. I, I have prayed for people who have died the same day I've prayed for them. I'm probably not going to have anyone asking me to pray for them anymore. Um, Well, I prefer if you don't pray for me, Tim. Uh, I have prayed for people who have given their life to Jesus the day that we prayed. And I didn't know this was going to happen, and I leave and they die later that day. Imagine I said tomorrow. Stu's word this morning. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I'm, I'm, I'm not finished my preach, but I want to take a little moment now to pray. And then I will carry on. So won't you bow your heads with me if you're watching online. Father, I pray that you will highlight somebody, a friend, a colleague, a family member. And Lord Jesus, give us the boldness to say something, to pray for them, to encourage them, to share the gospel, to share our testimony. I pray, Lord Jesus, that if one person responds to this prayer and one person is saved, it's a powerful prayer and worthy I pray, Lord, that everybody, everybody, without exception, every single person in this room will have stories about how you worked through their life when they shared their faith. I thank you, Jesus, that we don't put off till tomorrow what we can do today. Give us boldness. Even now, by your Spirit, start to stir us, Lord Jesus. Convict us to reach that person that we have coming to mind. In Jesus' name. The last thing I want to talk about quickly, and I know then we will be done. I know we're running a later than normal, but that's fine, is the method. 
We, want to, we are spirit-filled believers, alive by the Spirit of God, not just to hold a message to ourselves. So there's three things that make the message that we've got effective. Our love, lifestyle, and language. Without love, we are resounding gongs. The greatest commandment in the world, love God and love people. We are, not called, we are called to win souls, not arguments. Right? So we want to make sure that when we speak to people, there's a genuine love. Not an irritation and a frustration, but genuine love. The next is lifestyle. You might do some small little thing and God uses that mightily to change somebody's life. And I know I've shared this many times. Such an amazing, powerful testimony. A little boy walking with his mother. And they're walking down the road, and it's apartheid times, and it's dark times, and it's bad times, and it's the way it shouldn't be. And what happens is then, if, if, um, if a black person's walking on the pavement, and a white person comes towards them, the black people would step off the pavement and let the white person go past, right? Uh, we all agree that's terrible and all kinds of wrong. And then the one day, this lady is walking with her little boy, and they're walking down the road like this. And then this man comes walking towards them, a white man, but he's wearing robes. He's, he's, a, he's a, a priest. And he walks towards them. And just before the mom and the little boy jump off the, the pavement, the man quickly jumps off the pavement. And then he tilts his hat and he says, good morning, ma'am. He greets the little boy. And then he, he just is kind. He's very kind. And then he jumps back on the pavement and he carries on walking. And the little boy is standing there and he says, who was that? He's shocked. And the mom says, that's a man of God. And then what happens is the little boy says, when I'm older, I want to be a man of God. And that little boy grew up, and his name's Desmond Tutu. And you think to yourself, he helped transition an incredibly difficult time for our country. Why? Because somebody stepped off the road and greeted them. The point is this. Don't underestimate what God can do through your kind gestures of faith. There's somebody probably at Checkers that needs to be saved today. There's somebody that lives in your street. Your neighbor probably needs to hear about Jesus. If you, by the way, are here because a friend brought you to church, they're a good friend and they care about you and you should be grateful to them. But the point is this. Don't underestimate the kindness that our lives can, can um, the impact that our lives can make. But that isn't an excuse not to say something. So it's love, lifestyle, and language. And language is praying to God and talking to people. We can't exclude that from the equation. 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Um, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. How many people recently have asked you why you're so hopeful? Are we just as stressed out as the rest of the world or have we got a hope that the rest of the world needs to hear and then when they wonder why we are okay in the midst of a storm we tell them the good news um so imagine i said this now guys i'm going to give everyone here a hundred rand for everyone every person you invite to church you'll get a hundred rand everyone you share your testimony with you'll get a hundred rand everyone you share your faith with you'll get a hundred rand right if you share it with 50 people you'll get 5,000 rand next Sunday. Despite their response. They reject you, doesn't matter, you'll still get the money. How many of you would be motivated to go and share your faith? Right? Think about this. Sharing our faith, it's our mission. It pleases God. We store up treasures in heaven. It's how we mature. It carries eternal consequences. We, um, it's the sole purpose that Jesus went to the cross. It releases the power of God. But if we were more concerned about the money or held back by fear, then what we need is a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Why should we tell the whole world about Jesus? Because he's worthy, and those people need him for salvation. So I want to end with one last scripture. Imagine the whole church now, empowered and fired up and stirred to take their faith beyond the walls of this room and tell the whole world about Jesus. If one person gets saved, um, they will celebrate with the angels into eternity. It will be worth it. Mark 16, verse 20. And I read this over us. And then Colin's going to come up. The followers, sorry, the followers, that's us, went everywhere in the world telling people the good news. And the Lord helped them. God will help you if you go and share your faith. By giving them power to do miracles, the Lord proved that their message was true. I want us to experience powers, signs and wonders and miracles. But that comes to prove our message is true. But if we don't share our message, we don't see the power. And then we wonder why we're going through Christian life and not seeing any difference. The reason that we are here is to be equipped for the mission. So I want to pray, and then, Colin, you can come up and lead us. Lord, I pray for the fire of God to rest on every person in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you that we won't go through life treating you like a a God who's there to serve us and our purposes. But we'll make ourselves available and surrendered to you so that we can be used for your purposes. Lord, we don't have to ask you what to do next because you've already told us. Go. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've brought to mind different people that we need to reach, that we need to trust you for, that we need to speak to. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that next week there will be people in the room that are here purely because we had the boldness to share our faith or extend an invitation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll do something mighty with the message I've shared, Lord Jesus. We won't be spiritual consumers saying, well, how did that suit me? But Lord, how can I serve you? May church not be all about us and all for us, where we get saved and then just tell other Christians how to live. But may we be full of your spirit on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to live to know you and make you known. And if we are being distracted from that mission, I thank you, Jesus, that you will help us to get our eyes fixed on you again. May we not live self-serving lives, but may we live sacrificial lives as we lay our life down for Jesus Christ, for the King and the Kingdom. May this church experience the mighty hand of God, the power of God. May each person here, Lord Jesus, experience your power through healing, through salvations, through testimonies of your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.